0: Hey y'all, it's Amber reminding you to join our Patreon. This podcast is sponsored completely by listeners like you, so you can give a dollar, two dollars, five dollars a month, and that really supports us and this show. We want to shout out four, I count four, new patrons to the party, Catherine, Alinda, Nicole, and Adam. Thank you so much for supporting this lovely podcast. For those of you looking to support the podcast, you can find the link to the Patreon in the show notes. Reminder, we do a book giveaway at the end of the month, and this month, we will be giving away the Ballad of Black Tom. We also write you a little special letter in there because we love you as a listener. All right, now let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci, under the Believe Podcast Network. It's a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page in our marriage. Today is episode 56, and we will be reviewing the 1995 horror anthology film, Tales from the Hood directed by Rusty Cundief. Cundeef, what a name, and produced by Spike Lee. It's a Spike Lee joint, 40 acres and a mule, you dig, show, enough. Just so you know, this came out in 1995, but there will be spoilers. I'm in a really good mood today. Ben, why are, Why would we both be in a good mood?
1: I'm in a good mood. I, s- I should ask you if you're I'm in a sorry, good mood. I'm just going to push up my glasses for a second so I can look more nerdy. I uh, can't spike, see you. A Spike, yeah. Well, I'm trying to do it right now so you, people can understand. A Spike Lee joint is a film that Spike Lee directs. So this, I is think, not if he had his spi- hand no. in
0: it, it it's a, it's Spike Lee it's joint. Not. It's, it's at the l- party.
1: Literally, it's not a Spike Lee joint is a film that it, he directed he, and wrote.
0: If he funded it and produced it, like and helped out with it and and was a mentor for it, I think you can still call it a Spike Lee joint.
1: Listeners, you decide, you but decide. I'm right.
0: Damn, I was actually kicking the question to you, uh, are you in a good mood today? But you already answered that.
1: Indirectly, uh, yes.
0: Then why don't you tell the listeners um why I might be in a good mood today?
1: Because you got over your yeast infection. So first <laughs> Oh, we're we're overdoing oh, that
0: today. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, I uh I'm actually still in the in the thick of it, if you want to give the Oh, it's listeners- still itchy. A visual, uh, yes. Sorry. Um, but yes, yes. Yes? Yeast is a real thing. Thank you for dragging me as, you know, a person with a vagina just trying to fight the good fight every I day. I have an
1: itchy butt crack sometimes.
0: You probably have an itchy butt crack a lot because you rarely shower. But yes, I am in a good mood because my yeast infection is, uh, you know coming to an end. I, I wrote some really good poetry while I was laying horizontally all day yesterday. Um, and I will share those on stand-up one day.
1: I want to watch a horror movie that deals with more like yeast infections type of thing, like female. <laughs> so there there actually is... It's, it's a, pretty horrible stuff. There's there's a director who, uh, I haven't seen it, but I listened to a, a really great paper on it at the International Gothic Uh, research association the iga represent it's an academic association and
0: no one's representing
1: okay anyway i heard a paper on a film called raw and this uh, woman director does like a lot of like female embodiment body horror that is very feminist at the same time and she just made a new film that uh the name of it escapes me but i definitely want to check that out because um It seems like a lot of the films we watch are directed by men, starring men. I mean, we're about to go into one of those right now. But I remember,
0: um, you remember when we were watching I May Destroy You and how powerful it was that Michaela Cole showed like a blood clot Mm -mm. on TV. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, like we've heard many... We've seen many pieces of film or TV where it's like, a girl started her period, ew, gross. But, like, Michaela Cole had a guy picking up a blood clot in a show. And I was like, this is fucking revolutionary.
1: Yeah, I think just normalizing it, like, you know, I helped you with the whole situation. and It, did, it wasn't horrific. I mean, you had a yeast infection. I mean, I'm sure some yeast infections on the Yeah, I didn't apart. have an early one. Uh, yeah. Why you, you try to drag me? You can sort of... I, I, you know, there is narrative potential with women dealing with yeast infections that a woman should explore that as a as a writer or a filmmaker. So I you're think.
0: already thinking about how to capitalize um, off of my yeast infections. Yeah. Infection.
1: Well, no, no, not in cap I'm not thinking about capitalize necessarily. You I heard think- it here
0: first. Ben's trying uh, to capitalize off a of black women's yeast infection. Well, infections. you
1: you're the one who wrote the poem. I'm thinking creatively. It was there's a, a haiku, different coup, yeah. I'm, there's a difference between capitalizing off of something for the sole purpose of making money where I'm more interested in the art, darling. The art. <laughs> the what? The art, darling. Wait, the real reason you're happy is because I, we're going yeah. to the cabin a uh, cabin in the woods.
0: Right. I thought that's what you were going to say. But yeah, in, I know. Instead, you decided to violate HIPAA and put all of my, my pussy news on blast. So. Well,
1: you get to edit this. So anything you don't feel comfortable with. Well, speaking of HIPAA,
0: I mean, there's pretty much nothing people don't know about me these days. So yeah. what's another yeast infection?
1: Yeah, nothing, nothing. They, <laughs> they know everything. It, <laughs> it actually means nothing. Okay. So I do want to talk about HIPAA violations because, uh, as an educator, this film that we watched tells from the hood, both of us educators, one of the stories deals with a teacher and man, did they get that wrong? They
0: did. But I do want to say this. I, uh incorrectly used the you know the buzzword HIPAA violation because a HIPAA violation is when like a doctor puts your information on blast whereas people are like if you ask my vaccine status that is a HIPAA violation it's like it's not this is like peer-to-peer stuff like a, a peer can ask another peer like yo I mean it's It's weird, but, like, I can totally ask you, like, hey, do you have a yeast infection or whatever? And you can say yes or no, but that's not a HIPAA violation. A HIPAA violation is when, like, the actual medical institution puts your shit, airs your shit out.
1: However, to that point, educators, I just took a bunch of professional development where we are taught to keep children's uh, privacy, like, uh, even among other teachers. So, for example, like, uh, gender identity, um, uh, a sexual identity—we're not supposed to release that to anybody. If it, right. if a child d- divulges that to us, or even like birthdays, like releasing a child's birthday uh, is private information. So you know all those wow. boards and like classrooms where yeah, the totally kids' birthdays—totally
0: did that when that, I taught.
1: Yeah, that's that's you know potentially violating a. Yeah. Anyway,
0: I remember um, one time when I was teaching high school, one of my advisees she started dating a girl. And at parent-teacher conferences, I guess her mom found out by then. Her mom confronted me and was like, you know we don't do stuff like that. If she was dating a girl, you were supposed to tell me. If she was up here doing gay shit, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's actually none of, like, if she confided that information with me, like, that's actually none of your bits. Like, I'm not obligated to tell you that your daughter has a girlfriend. Because I'm not obligated to tell my other advisees, if their daughters have boyfriends, like I'm kind of not, un- unless it's like a domestic violence issue, I guess I'm not. I don't even know if then I'm. Well, I'm. Ch- I'm obligated to communicate that with a parents. Like I, my this is a parent teacher conference about academics. Like I don't have to update you on my your student's social life.
1: There's very specific rules around when you divulge private information and if it is relevant to or reasonable to the situation at hand. For example, if a child is being brutally bullied or being assaulted or being gay-bashed, like that would be a relevant reason why that would you would need to potentially divulge private information to Right, a but her
0: parent was doing the gay-bashing, so it's like right. well, Of course I'm not going to fucking tell you. Yeah. She doesn't feel safe around you.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. That makes complete logical sense. Yeah, there's very specific rules about this. And this teacher didn't really follow those rules, but yeah, what what is this? What is this story? Tales from the Hood, because it's a a reference to Tales from the Crypt, but Tales from the Hood is taking the horror and sort of hoodifying that, which as you know, like what what does that even mean? I like let's- I
0: like the um, you know, typically I'm not a fan of like let's take something white and tell it through a black lens, but I think this did a really great job of like completely making these anthologies like all our own. Some of them were a little preachy. But I think the 90s was like the height of like, I think Rodney King happened in 94, I want to say. I looked that up. 92, you know, we were like, one, one to three-year-olds at that time. So I think that um, Tales from the Hood tried to serve as like, let's do horror, but send a bigger message about police brutality, about abuse, about... They, they beat us over the head with the black-on-black black crime narrative, but this was the height of those um, LA riots or that, that era in America. So I think it was...
1: 91. 91. So this film comes out four years later... But I'm sure the idea, right, is coming out through that um, that time.
0: Yeah, even one of the cops at one point. So there's there's four different stories. The first one we'll just sort of start to dive into the first one. The first one is a story about police brutality where these police officers harass a black politician to the point. I mean, I, sh- I should not say harass. That that I grossly undersold it there. Um, they beat him and eventually kill him um and then frame him like they 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 uh they put him in a car and drive. like they poison him with a syringe they put him in this car full of drugs and this car drives off of the cliff but even at that point one of the cops said something like as he's beating this guy he's like can't we all just get along blah 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 which is Rodney King is famous for saying that um you know later in a speech about police brutality like can't we all just get along that was like mm. the buzz line um from that era so i'm sure when rusty um the director started writing this he started writing it like with that rodney king experience in mind because it was basically almost like shot for shot uh, obviously like not the killing of rodney king but the intense beating of him um the only thing that this story included was another black officer so there were three white officers one black officer who was like the black officer was like a rookie and he sort of bared witness to this abuse but he's new on the job they're like you go run his license plate while we finish up here and during that time they kill him and then this officer is like what what are y'all doing and they're like you stay out of it rookie but obviously he's a black man so he's you know dealing with that internal conflict of like oh my gosh. And so eventually he like leaves the force. And then this politician, you know, comes back from the dead and avenges his death.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's a great story. And the frame the framing of all these stories is that you have these three sort of gangbangers going to a funeral parlor, and they meet the mortician and the mortician starts telling them stories after they discover like certain bodies inside the funeral home. So that's the first one. A, a couple things um, that sort of struck me about that story is that you have this rookie cop who um, they see the man being beaten. He sees this politician being beaten, this lawyer who goes after bad cops. So that's the motivation. And that whole idea where if you are a lawyer and you go after bad cops, like you become a target.
0: Yeah, he's like a politician. He's a
1: he's, they, a, he's a lawyer.
0: Well, they called him like a political yeah. agitator. Yeah, political like...
1: agitator. Um, so he, he's not running for office, but his deal is to target bad cops. Yeah, crooked cops, right. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's a line – Whereas the politician, well, the lawyer's getting beat up. He says, you know, I don't, I don't go after good cops. I go after bad cops like you. And I think that line is sort of antiquated now where I think the narrative has changed where we don't really believe in any good cops. I think the kind of um, uh, like leftist liberal leaning mindset now is that there is no good cop because systematically... Uh, no cop can be good. It's sort of like um, there's no good Nazi type of thing. Right. And but also like these... That's actually a terrible analogy, but... The, the, um, a, an ideology. Sorry. And also...
0: You know, in this retelling of it, I think it like really leans into the there's no good cop because like even this rookie cop is then harassed by the other cop being like you never break the code of silence or whatever. So like there's bad cops and then there's like air quote good cops that still don't break this brotherhood and this silence and this like snitching gang mentality. And it's like, well, you're just as culpable if you know that you saw your Fellow co-workers kill somebody and you choose to say nothing and comply
1: yeah and at the end once the the three cops are sort of killed and avenged by the the lawyer uh, who is what's his name morehouse 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 is the the lawyer uh, once they're avenged he also goes after the rookie cop as well right. And which I thought was like, oh shit! And that rookie cop is sort of put in a straight jacket and blamed for the deaths of of the three cops, and then he dies. That's sort of the ending of the first story, which was like, oh my goodness! And I mean, right after that, I was like, oh god, this is. I was very excited for how, um, just like bizarre everything was. What do you mean? Uh, just like the. the so one of the ways that cops die is that they're they become imprinted on a graffiti um art and like a mural mm-hmm. a mural and you're just like what is this and so it, it there's this element of like physical um realism that I found like very attractive.
0: Yeah, there there like with this whole series there are points of like oh, this is kind of corny or, all this, you, you know, we, Ben and I were talking about this, how like, I guess with the rise of like technology and our social media apps, our brains and our attention spans are just not primed to watch like long drawn out scenes of things. Like, you know, we, we just finished Squid Game and, and obviously that's not an American show, which is great. We loved Squid Game, but there, whenever a scene is like, just like, I'm like, you could have shaved this episode. Uh, you could have shaved 10 minutes off of this. So our, our brains right now are primed for like no second wasted. So some of these scenes and Tales from the Hood felt like, Okay, you got your point. Like, you don't have to say the n word like ten more times. Like, we get it. Cops Hey, black people. Like, let's move on to the next shot. Like, what happens now? Did you feel that sometimes, like, with the with some of the scenes like lagging a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think also this, you can't really make a movie this violent towards like uh, a black person. It just felt superfluous. It felt unnecessary. It felt um, almost uh, pornographic in some ways. The way that. The cops were like beating up this person. You're like, okay, we, we actually see this in real life, right? And you, you know, people have to be more aware of like, okay, like instead of just the horror is a black is a black person being beat up by the cops, like what else can you add to that? And I I think the story would have been much more like uh, interesting to see the cops being like her- harassed and being assaulted by uh, this this person that they killed. and Like
0: over the course of some days?
1: Yeah, over the course of some days. Oh, the other point is that the big plot uh, motivation for the cops is that they were dealing drugs and this idea that cops really do see themselves above the law Right. Like, I see it all the time, like little stuff, like cops walking to a store, you know, we're in uh, Chicago, you have to wear a mask, there's mask mandate, but cops will go into places and not wear a mask. And you're just like, oh my God. like Right. Like... Or, or or they'll just like, You'll... they do this all the fucking time, they'll be driving, and then they'll like put on their flashing lights to fly through a stoplight, you know?
0: Yeah, and then turn them off. And, you're and just then like... turn them off. Cool story, bro.
1: Yeah. And that, that, those little, that's the thing, those. It's, that's a mindset, right? Like, even a a cop who might not harass a black person might do some catty shit, like not wear a mask and go into a place or just, you know, uh, cut through a stoplight. And that type of mindset, I think, is incredibly harmful and damaging. Um, And really, any position of power where people do that.
0: As are the videos of like, I don't know. It's Like, some videos are cool, but sometimes, like, you'll see a video of a cop being nice, and it's like, see, I bet people won't circulate this video. It's like, we don't care that you gave somebody a lollipop. Like, bodies are stacking up. Like, this is not the same. <laughs> like, we don't... Okay, good, good, cool story, bro. You let the kids play in the fire hydrant in the water during the summer. Well, your buddies are, are literally killing people and harassing people and, like, in some cases, raping people.
1: Well, yeah, because it comes down to... This is where I think the film is antiquated because you have a an activist saying, oh, I only go after the bad cops. Right. That's not what... I mean, it was I made in like at, ninety-five. So yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, that's not. But that's not what I think the motivation is now. Like, we don't really care. I think structurally, like going after bad cops, right? Because there's not just bad cops or a few bad apples. It's you have an entire um, philosophy that police are allowed to do whatever they want on the job. Like qualified immunity is is the term that probably people are becoming more familiar with. And that that's sort of the problem. So in that way, it sort of, you know, felt, yeah, uh, whatever.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the the creators of this were definitely trying to tap into like the uh, the freshness of like this whole revolutionary movement of like public enemy and NWA and just like this fuck the police mentality. So I think it was a good story to kick off the the anthology series with.
1: Also, uh, blood. Let's talk about like the blood in here because, you know, uh, I'm teaching like this film studies class and I recently showed Charlie Chaplin to, uh, my students, uh, modern times. My students loved it by the way. And they were like, this was made 90 years ago anyway. So we're talking about different effects in black and white films and what you can get away with. And one of them brought up, they're like, Oh wait, um, how could you show blood in black and white films? So in black and white films, you could just use chocolate syrup.
0: Oh, smart! Well, that's what I think. Um, I think when blood is used um, today, it is chocolate syrup. It's just like red food coloring and chocolate.
1: Well, I don't. Well, I think the the blood in Tales from the Hood wasn't really realistic, but the blood inside right, Squid Game. Yeah, the Blood and Squid Game like, oh my God, they're actually like shooting people in the head. I mean, blood, I I would love to see the history of blood development, like going from like chocolate syrup and black and white films to, because this is almost like a paint, or even in Ganja and Hess, it was sort of like a paint. It was like more uh, liquidy. Yeah, bright red. Where the blood uh, in in film, you know, TV shows like Squid Game, like I will, be- I believe that's fucking blood. We're right. here, like the, the We've
0: elevated our blood game.
1: Yeah, Morehouse has like these cuts on his face when he comes back from the dead. And I just don't believe that blood anymore, you know. I
0: feel you. Yeah. Also, I like that his name is Morehouse. I think they did that on purpose because you know Morehouse is like a a black men's HBCU.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: just to just to like that was a nice nod. All right, the next story was um this, it, it's called, scroll down, Boys Do Get Bruised. I don't know why I laughed when I said that. So sorry. This is a story about a, a little boy who um, has an abusive stepfather, and he starts to see and envision his uh, His reality of the stepfather is that it is a monster, and he finds a way or he learns that if he draws a picture of someone and burns it up or crushes it or whatever, like, it goes away, but in this really cool, you know, showing of that description, it actually does, like, distort the body of the person that he drew, which was really cool.
1: Yeah, didn't, weren't you bullied in middle school?
0: Everyone was bullied in middle school,
1: Ben. I, I was homeschooled in middle school. So I mean, well, if you everyone, went to middle school, you were bullied in I, some capacity. Okay, I but... Not like... I don't think that's true. I, but I think that's something that people who were bullied in middle school say to sort of hide the trauma of their bulliedness. Because you were, you were bullied, right?
0: Yes, but it wasn't like, give me your lunch money. It's just like girls talking shit or like getting tripped up or... You, it, it'll just be like not... I don't know. It's just like I'm not trying to downplay it, but there was never a time where Sounds I like, like went are. home. No, but there was never a time I went home with like a black eye or something. It was like emotional bullying or right. stuff like that. And,
1: and we all know that, like jealous bitches. We bullying. all know that emotional abuse is not a real thing. Uh, physical abuse <laughs> is the only thing that counts. Right? I'm,
0: I'm just trying to say, like, I'm not trying to sit here and but act I was, like I was, being I was sarcastic.
1: Obviously, sorry. Let I just me talk. I don't want to get canceled out in the. Okay, go for it. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Another white man interrupting a black woman. Sorry.
0: It's not like the the way that people see bullying on TV, like getting a swirly or like my hair probably wouldn't even do that. It was not stuff like that. It's just like slight bumping into in the hallway or just like girls being bitches and jealous and like nice hair, like laughing. You yeah. know, it, it wasn't like taking of money it wasn't financial bullying it wasn't physical bullying it was just like catty mean girls
1: yeah i think that's still i mean i guess my it's c-
0: totally bullying but i'm just saying it like i don't want you to think it was like everybody surrounded me on the on the black top at recess and it was like very scary
1: yeah well i don't i don't see that as bullying as a teacher anymore and there is a scene in here where a kid does get into a fight and then later he draws excuse me, he draws a picture of his bully and then like crumples it up and the bully breaks both his arms and his legs. And I was just thinking, um, would you do that to one of your bullies in a vindictive way? Like, did you ever have somebody who was so mean to you, would you draw a picture of them and crumple it up?
0: I would not cut off their limbs, but I would do something like shave their head or just like something that would really inconvenience them. Mm.
1: So an eye for an eye,
0: right? Or just like shave off an eyebrow or pull out a tooth.
1: This this is like the coolest superpower I've ever seen. I it was like, is. oh my god, I love this. This idea of like, it, it's this, it's almost this, you know, voodoo type of magic, but applied to an art, an artistic child who is drawing. I mean, I definitely would have done that at a basketball coach who I would have like ripped off both his arms. You know? Oh, he what? Was,
0: what? How did he bully you?
1: I mean, he was just an all-around asshole to people and he never played me.
0: Right. Or (laughs) he never played me. Well, even with these girls, like... You know, now that I'm older and I've had some time to reflect, like, these girls definitely, in a way to, like, equalize the situation, as Tana Histy Coates would remind us, they bullied me because they saw that I had more than them in a lot of ways. Like, like I was bullied for being in accelerated classes and I was bullied because my dad was like a male man and my mom was a teacher. It's like, it's like teacher's pet jokes or like, wow, you get to be in white classes, ha ha ha. But it's like, they, they definitely internalized at a younger age that like, I I'm seeing my classmate being afforded opportunities that I don't have and I'm I'm angry about that as a child and the only way to equalize that situation is to bully that person but like if I think long term about every person that bullied me like they're all like living in poverty in my hometown and I think that's when when you're catching me trying to minimize the situation I think that's what I'm doing because mm. I know who those people are now and they've been incarcerated and they are um you know not in every situation but i you know how sometimes you'll be like oh yeah i went to high school with her and you're like wow this person never graduated and this person still lives where they lived when we were in middle school so i think that's my hesitation now that i'm like doing some reflecting fair enough right whereas like what's what's the deal with this coach
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't really have any reason to kill him, but I I would have done it anyway. No, he was just like, he would like throw fits in practice and like chuck a ball across. And I was like, oh, my God.
0: Right. Whereas like that's like a grown ass man in in the way that like in the story, like a grown ass man bullying a child and bullying his wife is just like, there's no excuse for that. Like, I would have fucked you up, bro. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the story ends ends with uh, this monster, who is actually like I think the stepfather, and who abuses the mother and the little boy. And then the teacher investigates that, and the boy ends up using his powers to kill his stepfather and like twisting him. And the way he like twists up tangles. But I I just was thinking, like if a child even through like a third means like, kills an adult, like, that would be very traumatic for the child. You know, like, every child killer I've read about, like, they sort of have a lot of problems afterwards. Hmm. Like who? Uh, there was this Oh my gosh. So, when I was... Uh, younger, there was this boy who brought a gun to school and shot uh, a girl who he was like he was like not to a, your school, right? No, no, it was a school near me. He was like six years old. He like brought a gun, shot a girl in the face. Like they were like in kindergarten or first grade.
0: A kindergartner yeah, brought a gun. To it was like school? a
1: first grader. And then I, the thing that sort of blew my mind about this is that the picture in the newspaper. Was him like eating pizza? <laughs> oh god! Like after killing this, and like Look at that. realizing cold-blooded killer eating. Yeah. That pizza. So he did. Some, he knew he did something wrong. So he like dropped the gun in the garbage can after like shooting his classmate in the face. Oh
0: my gosh! That's like for sure, just like learned behavior. Like even just the the taking and the shooting of the gun.
1: Yeah, it, it was just very strange or like knowing that here is a gun this is what you do to people that you don't like or something I, I don't know anyway I, I think like that will have a long-term effect on that child I, this happened you know 20 years ago so I'm really curious where, where that child is now like do you try a chi- try a child like that for murder but you, here's the situation where a kid after he like breaks all the arms and bones and this is real creature effects. It's good he, too. Yeah, it, David Allen
0: like, Greer is the monster who is like Shakespeare trained. So it was oh, fun really? to see oh, him in the. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, fun fact or or un, unfun fact. I heard he's actually kind of an asshole in person. Like actor friends of mine who have worked with him said like he's kind of a dick.
1: Oh, okay. But go back to. Yeah. So yeah. So he died. Good actor though. He's he, funny. he gets he gets burned up and the boy is like okay but the thing that bothered me is as an educator if I suspect a child being abused like I don't go to that child's house which is exactly that
0: that was like it's like have y'all been into a school system or did you look up the policies like this is kind of a little I mean I I get it it's a horror movie they're like what do you mean did we look up the policy but I remember watching it being like let me tell you what you don't do go directly to the house like Like, you're a mandated reporter, but you don't go to the house and say, like, hey, have you been abusing your child? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, because what do you think they're going to say? Yep.
1: Yeah. You're also not supposed to investigate. Like, there's a moment where the teacher starts asking the child prying questions. And if you suspect anything, like, it's not your responsibility to investigate that as a teacher. You are a mandated reporter. You call DCFS that's um the buck stops there like legally because you aren't trained to investigate and talk to a child about emotional physical abuse
0: I will say that in the 90s like it was kind of no man's land for stuff like that because you know my mother was a teacher for years and I definitely remember us going to people's houses not for a abuse roll-up but just like I don't know. I, I feel like if you told me that you went to a student's house of yours today for any reason, I'd be like, "What? How? how why would you do that?" That's yeah. probably against the law. Whereas, like my mom used to literally just like have different kids eating dinner with us, or she would take them home and go inside their houses and talk for thirty minutes with their families. Like maybe it was just more family oriented then. But I feel like that's like a lawsuit waiting to happen now. If a oh, teacher yeah. was just like randomly at somebody's house.
1: Fuck no. So, anyway, uh, as the mortician is telling these stories to these three... um, Air uh,
0: quote, thugs. Thugs. Mm. Stack, uh, Bulldog, and Ball. (laughs) Who I, I will also say these actors, two of the three actors, if you know what I'm talking about, just go back and watch it. Like, those two guys are... Like if you see them in a movie, they're toxic and they're gonna be gangsters and they're gonna be rapists. Like that—that's just like how they're cast. It's kind of like if you see Blair Underwood in a movie, he's—he's the villain. Oh, with the exception of bad hair, they didn't get it right. But like, there—there's like a gang of toxic black men. Like I I say that as air quote. They're—they're cast in that role. It's like Danny Glover is Mister. It's like if you see these this squadron of black men in movies, like. They are the villains. <laughs>
1: anyway, they don't believe any of these stories they are being told. They're like, this is complete bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And then they discover a little doll and they're like, what is this? They're like, what are you, you know, you know, they I say some voodoo,
0: some voodoo, you know, yeah, it's just yeah. like very like gangster, like South Central L.A. vibes.
1: Anyway, so the the third story is about uh, a politician named Duke uh, Metzger who is a total playoff of, like, David Duke. Which is funny. You know, at the end of films where they say, like, this is all, like, you know, related or to fiction. These are portrayals of fictional characters and any uh, relation to a real character is unintentional. I mean, that's such bullshit. I don't know why they put that at the end of books and stuff. Like, obviously... For lawsuits. Duke Metzger is, like, inspired by David Duke. Yeah,
0: but it's just, like, litigation. You're like, "I I have to say allegedly... Yeah. Anyway, it's like but, allegedly OJ Simpson killed someone. Sorry. We're like, but we all
1: know. So David Duke is this is is this X K X K K K member, and he decides to go into politics, and he hires a black um, David image Duke or maker. Duke Metger, Duke Metger, both, both, <laughs> right. both, both. Uh, but I love this idea of like the black characters in here are like pretty diverse, and one of the black characters is this guy who's getting paid ten thousand bucks a week to build up the image of a former KKK member and their location is at an explantation that's supposedly haunted where the plantation owner did not want to release his slaves. So he decided to kill all of them um, after the uh, emancipation proclamation and the, the ghosts of those slaves haunt that grounds, but uh, that was resolved when a voodoo woman put all the souls into these little dolls, and it turns out the little dolls don't like an XKKK member. There. <laughs> yeah, not a fan. They're they're not, and so they decide to like haunt him in like Chucky style, and like you know, end up eating him and killing him. I think it's that was great. my favorite story. Yeah, why? What what was what made it your favorite?
0: Because the power of the voodoo was good. And not bad mm, yeah um i I don't know I th- I think that story was the most inventive like i i I did love the power of the voodoo, I guess in the the kid story as well, um, but I think it's like the teacher running to the house like took us out of the element so bad. it's like this is just incorrect about how abuse will be handled, whereas in this story, it's like. Get that motherfucker out of that house! Like, let's fucking go! Let's let's rock it! So, rock it, rock it.
1: This definitely feels like the most relevant story for today that people do, are running very explicitly on the racist dollar. Like, they're I'm I am running as a person who wants to get rid of immigrants and who wants to put more black people in prison like that is becoming very explicit and coming back to that you know they're uh yeah, he
0: started the his whole campaign being like anti uh affirmative action yes anti-reparations it's like this actually this i mean yeah. minus the like voodoo dolls running around the house this is a pretty good uh accurate this this aged well in the worst yeah, way.
1: Very very relevant to today. Also, uh, recently, uh, Texas formed this law where you can't have books in the classroom that show biased opinions. Oh god! So, for example, like anything written by Toni Morrison could not be allowed in the classroom. And so, oh,
0: what an idiot!
1: Yeah, no, it it's actually really really bad. And um, Toni
0: Morrison doesn't even have white people in her stories. Like, well, what, well what's she, the bias?
1: She, she believes that slavery is bad so that was a bias is that a the debatable well that's a thing or that racism in is Texas? bad no it's yeah no that's that's mm. what it's coming down to or this idea that you know the founding fathers were racist and slave owners like well that you're showing a biased opinion it's
0: like but those are just facts
1: right but it's still you need to show why they were slave owners and how they used their slaves to build up America. So what it. books stayed? I'm curious. So that's sort of the question right now. I'll put some articles like in the, the link if you Bible. want to read about it. Yeah, I mean, like the Bible is like biased. You couldn't even what use the Bible. St-
0: yeah, what stays if you have to remove bias?
1: Well, every Well, all fiction. You couldn't have any fiction. But
0: even fiction tells a greater story about bias sometimes
1: but but fiction like is Pratchett inherently does that, biased it? because uh you have first person narratives telling their um their stories through their lens it's re- there's a whole rubric to it that i'm not going to spend time but i did read through the rubric and uh read some of the teachers stating things where literally they put caution tape on all their bookshelves they covered all their bookshelves that Trash. Really bags. intense um, uh, censorship uh, that's going on. That I thought was like, oh wow.
0: Mm. I mean, that's just stupid.
1: And it is. Wait, what, <laughs> like what, what was like the,
0: what's what are your children going to read if everything with bias is taken off the shelf? Or like, or calling slavery like if if slavery is included in a story and it's depicted as immoral. That's bias is bizarre to me.
1: Well, yeah, or like white supremacy. Like, there, yeah, I mean, that is a bias. It's it's impossible to not be biased. Wait, what was my purpose of bringing this up again?
0: Mm, we were talking about uh, David Duke or the, the politician and the relevance of.
1: Anyway, I like it because at the end, the dolls kill him and purge the house.
0: I love it. I love taking back, like, this is sacred ground. Get the fuck out. And I love that the people are like, we warned you. Like, they're not going to be too happy that you're taking up that space. He was like, you know, he's just been an angry old white dude. And he got his, they tore his ass the fuck up. And I loved it. The body horror horror in that story was really great as well.
1: The other thing that has come into the zeitgeist, because every, a lot of people, a lot of organizations are reading how to be an anti-racist. And a big part of that book is uh, probably the most controversial part of that book is that um, Kendi makes the argument, Ibrahim Kendi, the writer, makes the argument that black people can be racist. um, Against other black people. Against other black people. And this short story shows that because you have a black person specifically hired to support a racist ideology. And... Uh, he mentions, you know, the Bush and Gore election and um, how during that election was black Florida politicians who helped purge uh, black voters and preventing black voters from voting. And that whole idea keeps on is in, you know, the yeah. narrative right now and very relevant. So, yeah, again, this is the most relevant story. Uh, the final story. You you were sort of you liked the final story because you had a mm. no. Uh, The character uh, ends up, uh, the main uh, crazy K. Johns, uh, ends up in a shootout because someone is not paying him money or paying him out for his drugs. Mm -hmm. The reason he has to do that is he needs to take care of himself. He lives in an environment, a social structure, that does not provide for his basic needs. So what is the root cause of his crime? It's not because he's black. It's because he does not have a job. And his job is under threat, and there's no legal means in which to deal with this threat, so he has to go outside the law using a gun. In this case, and so he he there he therefore goes um, to this like really cool castle, like very Dracula's castle, and he goes through social behavior reconditioning, and it turns out that it doesn't work on him because he's simply too far gone, type of thing. And uh, it is revealed that the three, um, you know, uh, characters at the beginning of the film turns out that they knew this man, and uh, um, were one of his targets, and that they're all in hell now. And the the mortician is actually the devil, which was done really, really quickly. Yeah, that was cute, but it didn't really. I
0: was like, oh, that was fun.
1: Yeah, I, I think like it the final story. Yeah. So the the whole the whole point of this is that. He is this like dangerous criminal, Crazy K, Crazy K, and he needs to be like reconditioned. And he meets this Nazi inside um, the inside the prison who says like, "Oh, you're actually on my side because you killed black people." And that's there's a moment where he thinks like, "Oh no!" And I think that I think they're trying to look sort of explore this black on black crime ideology, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think they really care about that. The main idea is about Crazy K being alone, not having any support, and using the means which he has to make a living. Yeah, like that. The black on black crime argument is being made by a Nazi. So the director is not saying, <laughs> <Right>. literally, the <laughs> the director is not saying that this is a legitimate um, argument to uh, ignore the 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 pleas of black communities for support, which is often the case. Like, black communities will say, like, we need support in infrastructure, and then usually white Republicans or white in this city, white and black, you know, wealthy Democrats will look at these poor uh, black communities and say, well, you need to figure this out type of thing. Like, we're not going to give you infrastructure until you you get rid of the gun violence. Right, so even
0: though we started the war on drugs, like... Y'all, right, Y'all yeah. should figure it out. And if it, y'all kill each other, we're going to call it black on black crime.
1: Yeah, it, it's, absurdist, it's absurdist thinking.
0: It's absurdist thinking, and it's like literally still what people say today. It's like, well, y'all call each other the N-word, so why can't we? It's just like, what the fuck is happening here? Well, like, I, th- I think well, that's a different argument. Yeah, but it's kind of the same thing because it's like, well, when he insulted him, he said it, so why can't I say it? Like, if y'all don't care about each other, why why do I have to care? Like, that's the overarching, like, mentality when people say that,
1: yeah, but I think the N word is like just a cultural, um, a very unique cultural uh, usage. That I
0: know, but when older white women are calling someone the N word and then they're crying like, "Well, you said it to each other like in an angry way. Why can't I?" Like that—that that is what they're they're tapping into. That they're well- tapping into like, if y'all can mistreat each other, why do I have to? treat you with respect
1: yeah but that's not equivalent to being like you know black people are shooting each other therefore we can shoot them
0: yeah but it's it is a form like it's it's an excuse that people
1: use it's like i remember one time just like no i i, I get that i think like the analogy falls apart because calling someone the n-word and shooting them are very very different i know
0: but it's a form of like a, a threat and act of violence against a black person Like, if a white person, if I'm walking Gucci and a white person comes up to me and just, like, tries to, like, violently, aggressively yell the N-word at me, that is an act of violence. Has that happened? No.
1: Oh.
0: It happened to a friend of mine last week, though.
1: Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: it's like, that's a form of
1: violence. Right, yeah, no, I'm saying, but the justification for that violence is not often because people, well, they say it.
0: Yes, it is. Why people do that all the time Ben?
1: and in a vibe i think i think the justification like later when
0: they're trying to be all like crying and whatever it's like y'all y'all say to each other all the time like i was just doing that
1: Mm. it's like
0: there there's a level of like y'all are a bigger threat to each other than i am so why are y'all mad at me
1: yeah, I think that that's an ideology. I I've heard that justification when people use the word casually or as a joke. They're like, "Well, other like I can use this casually or as a joke because I'm not a real threat. I'm not a real threat. I've heard that, but
0: but they are inherently saying in a different way, like black people are the greatest threat to other black people, not me. I'm just an old white lady. Uh,
1: yeah, I think that that's an ideology for right. sure. That, but that
0: it, also leans into the like. Like i I think when black on black crime and that phenomenon and that rhetoric happened, white people were like, Oh, thank God, so that now that they'll realize that like they're the ones hurting themselves, it's not us
1: well, as if there's no culpability, right, which is so interesting because the final story is specifically dealing with this idea that if we change specific people's behavior, if we be you know, Force them into behavior modification programs, sort of this like classwork, you know, uh, clockwork, clockwork orange, orange mm-hmm. type of thing. Classwork orange. Classwork. <laughs> then give them classwork orange.
0: I think we should give racist classwork, if you will.
1: Yeah. And then that will stop their violent behaviors. But again, that's um, it's a misunderstanding of violence. Because violence Mm -hmm. or crime is not the result necessarily or solely from, like, personal behavior. Like, yes, you have sociopathic people who are going to commit violent acts, but... If you look at like the communal reasons, or in this case, and, and crazy, oh, what's this? Crazy kid. He's like, crazy, crazy case. Case. like, case. I didn't
0: kill him because he was black. I kill him because he robbed my he robbed, gang. He right. robbed, and that was Correct. my
1: source of income. And that now, if you provide people with a different source of income, in which they don't have to, you know, sell drugs, or if they can sell drugs legally, uh, then, you know, you have a pharmacist. Period. All right, let's warp up the show. I love you. In conclusion, Tales from the Hood is a gory, outrageous, and awesome tale. As is my yeast infection. As is a gory, <laughs> a gory yeast infection.
0: No, it's not gory. That's all you wrote. You're not going to encourage people to watch it or not. Yeah, watch
1: go it. watch it. It's awesome. And next week, what are we watching next week? <laughs> Thanks, Vid.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci. Up next, we'll be watching Tales from the Hood 2. We're still in Spooky Season, and this one is starring Keith David. So we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all.
1: Thank you for listening to Believe.